cool conversation with a cool dude, Alex Wagner. Here we go. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host of the Western Huntsman Podcast, coming at you from the Broken Tines studio in Hayden, Idaho, and I'm glad you guys are here. I'm fired up this week. There's so much going on out there and so much, uh, you know, positive things that have happened in terms of how hunters have uh, have come together over over some uh, an issue that I'll get into in just a second. But before I do that, I want to talk about uh, our trivia question last week. Uh, what a response, man. Got a ton of emails on that one. So uh, the question was, what is it called when a mule deer starts kind of bounding and hopping away? And the answer to that, drum roll, it's called stotting. S-T-O-T-T-I-N-G, stotting. Uh, that is the term used uh, when when you see those. And you guys, have, I'm sure if you've hunted mule deer, you've, you've been there, you've seen that. Uh, where they they start to they're they're out of here, man. They're they're getting away from you, and they do this crazy hop, and it's really fun to watch. Uh, unless it's a huge buck that's uh, out of range at this point, but <laughs> no, that's what it, that's what it's called, uh, stotting. And uh, I appreciate everybody that wrote in on on that trivia question because um, I actually had some really good conversations that came out of that over email. Uh, it was fun talking to everybody on on that one, and, and it's uh, super interesting seeing some of the some of the answers that came in uh right or wrong uh it was it was fun just kind of developing a conversation out of it so nice work everybody if you did answer that question if you wrote in at jim at the westernhuntsman.com and put either trivia or trivia question you know just make sure the word trivia is in the subject line i what i do is i do a search for that uh, subject line and i roll all those emails into uh, a spreadsheet where i'm going to do a drawing and that drawing is going to be coming up uh, towards the end of March. I believe we're going to have some Phelps stuff for that one. Going to be cool. So, I appreciate it. That is the answer. Starting. Okay. I want to roll in real quick. Um, we had a uh, situation, and I put out a bonus episode about this, about SB 252 out of California, where uh, this Senator Scott Weiner. Uh, was proposed basically a, a piece of legislation, SB 252, where they're going to ban bear hunting in the state of California. Totally ridiculous. Uh, and this is the stuff that uh, we're up against. And, and guys, I, it's it's been a, a, a cool, positive light that I haven't seen for a while that came out of the hunting community and the response. And uh, many of you shared that episode. Uh, thank you for that uh, because it went a long way. The petition garnered somewhere in the neighborhood of 30,000 signatures in in just a couple of days. Uh, a lot of people wrote into Senator Weiner's um, 
uh, email address and, and into his office to, to express their displeasure with the proposal of banning bear hunting in the state of California. Happy to say that uh, that bill has been pulled. It is no longer viable, and it, it was pulled, and uh, it, it's dead, dead on arrival. And that's because of many of you uh, who who put their you know best foot forward and wrote emails and, and made phone calls and uh, signed the petition and, and all this other stuff that, that took place that kind of killed this bill, and that's what we need. Uh, we came together. I'm proud uh, to be a hunter this week. We came together as hunters. We came together as a community. We rallied online and uh, made made this happen because this is. Uh, and I don't want to get too excited because here's the thing. It, it was like I, I can't remember exactly how Senator Winner, um, you know, worded it, but basically it's just temporarily pulled, right? It's it's just it's 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 on the back burner, so to so to speak, if you will. So what that means is that bill is dead for now, but it is probably and most likely and almost assuredly coming back. And it'll probably be in the next year's uh, legislative session. So uh, we need to be aware. And and, uh, what I'm going to do on this from my end is uh, this. Well, let me restate that. Let me let me let me back up a minute. That bill. And, and this is a case for any hunting style ban, hunting, trapping, uh, any kind of flat out ban on hunting it always raises an eyebrow for me in a big, big way. And so when, when when this bill came out and it was introduced, it was like this big surprise. And we all had to be in this reactive mode uh, and, and, and approach that in a way that was responsive and playing defense. Guys, I'm sick of doing that. Let's go on the offense. It's time to be proactive instead of reactive when it comes to these threatening legislation pieces like this. It's it's a it's a bad situation to be in. So what I, what I'm going to be doing uh, and in terms of you know with this particular bill, uh, I sent multiple emails, I made phone calls. Uh, we're going to be doing some episodes on. This particular bill, the legislation, why it's dangerous, uh, why we can't be asleep at the will going forward uh, for our friends in in California. And we're, you know, we can't be shy about crossing state lines with this. Uh, I, I Like I said in the bonus episode, I would want uh, our friends in California's help if, if those kind of bills were ever introduced in our legislatures in some of our western states uh, outside of California. So uh, we're, we're just, we just need to make sure that we're returning the favor, uh, you know, kind of ahead of the game uh, because they'd have our back. We need to have their back. And, and California has some wonderful bear hunting. It has a, it has a great heritage of hunting that not a lot of people talk about not there's but there's a lot of great hunters in California that that need our help and and just because this bill is dead does not mean that they don't need our help anymore because they do and so again getting back to that I I, I just want to kind of be more of a, a, a proactive voice versus a reactive voice and we're going to be addressing a lot of things I have some things in the works uh, that are going to kind of be uh, going forward throughout this year so that we are prepared next time for legislation like this. And California is not the only place this is happening. We have, we have, uh, some, some rumbling going on in Washington to ban spring bear hunting 
And uh, guys, that is how this happens is, you know, you've heard the term how to eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time. That's that's the threat that we have in, in terms of just being hunters in general, where it might seem like, you know, this far away distant land is having these troubles with these anti hunters but but the the magnitude of what that what happens is they're they're eating the elephant one one bite at a time and so they they ban bear hunting in California they've already banned mountain lion hunting and now the state spends a a shitload of money to try to get these mountain lions under control because they're way out of control um and, and instead of the revenue of selling mountain lion tags and just having hunters that want to do that pursue that lifestyle uh, they took that right away and that freedom away from those hunters, and and now California's got this major problem with mountain lions coming into people's yards and uh, eating dogs and you know all sorts of stuff that's going on. There's tons of information out there on the on the internet. So the next bite that we're going to take was banned bear hunting, and so when we're sitting in places like Colorado and Idaho and Utah and Wyoming, uh, Montana and Arizona and New Mexico and and these these other western states, Nevada, uh, Washington, Oregon. Uh, when we're sitting in, in these other Western states, kind of looking at that, thinking, "Oh, well, that's that's in California, not an issue for us, guys." That is an issue for us because, as far-fetched as it may seem, that something like that can happen in our states, it's not that far-fetched because that attitude, that that negative um, outlook on hunting in general, as as like this this great evil of of modern society, uh, will will bleed over into our states. That, that cultural aspect, and that's what it is, is it, it's a cultural issue, the, it, and it's new. Yeah, you know, Being an anti-hunter is a new thing. That is not uh, something that dates back thousands of years like hunting does. Uh, hunting has always been a part of the, the human experience, and, and so this, this newfound cultural thing where it's like this shift of uh, hunting is is bad. It's evil. It's cruel to the animals. And and these these organizations like the Humane Society, of the United States, uh, they are making waves in in ways that we don't want to have waves happening on. And and so we've just got to be super proactive, super cognizant of of what these threats are and how they can bleed over into our other states. And so just stay tuned on that. Uh, for everybody that uh, tuned into that last episode and or uh, reached out to me via you know email or social media or whatever whatever the case was, uh, thank you guys for getting involved. Uh, I, I had a lot of discussions over the weekend with a lot of different people uh, from a lot of different states regarding uh, the, those issues uh, or the, that specific bill SB 252, and you know lots of concern, lots of. Um, Lots of things were, were were talked about, so I just want you guys to know that I appreciate you reaching out to me and and uh, kind of everybody just kind of came together and teamed up. I I met and spoke with people that I've never spoke with before, uh, and and created some new relationships. And and you guys know, uh, listening to this show, that's that's what's always important to me. Uh, and, and and we're building these networks. We're building a huge network to fight against the anti-hunting movement, and and we're just not going to be reactive with this anymore. It's time to start being proactive, and I'm going to come up with some ways, uh, they're already in the works, in which you can all help uh, be proactive with me, and I appreciate that, and that's really what, um, you know, one of the premises of this show, starting this show, was to fight against this, and uh, you, you've heard the intro, and that's that's why we're here, that's why we're doing what we're doing. 
Yeah, another another just quick topic of discussion. I don't want to get too far into the weeds with this one, just because it is actually as the 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 time that I'm recording this, it's already in discussion in Montana. Uh, the the legislature there, uh, SB 143, which takes essentially 60% of non-resident tags and and uh, puts them into the outfitter pool. Uh, where the outfitters definitely have the, they would have the priority to to have their clients get those tags versus just a you know a, a do-it-yourself hunter. Um, obviously, as as a whole, the Western Huntsman platform is against that kind of thing because that is that is against what we are all about here at the Western Huntsman. We are about do-it-yourself. We are about over-the-counter stuff. We are about going to other states and hunting public land and having the freedom to do so and making it, um, you know, having these states make it as easy as possible for, for those of us that are passionate about doing that to have access to those tags and stuff. And so we are definitely opposed to that. I've sent a lot of emails. I made a big post on social media where people could copy and paste the email. Uh, you can check that out either on Instagram or Facebook at the Western Huntsman. Um, but again, that one kind of came out of nowhere, and we were surprised, uh, and and I just didn't have a lot of time to react to that one. Uh, and and as we as as I record this, it's being discussed in the Montana state legislation. So uh, we're gonna just kind of monitor that and see see where it goes from here. But hopefully, uh, enough people you know got the message across to the Montana state legislatures that uh, you know. It's not uh, not a favorable piece of legislation for uh, all of us do-it-yourself hunters because there's a lot of us out there. Okay, with that said, uh, guys, I just uh, what a what a day, what a great day. Uh, woke up and saw that that bill SB 252 had been pulled, and uh, that is always great news. Great news. Let's just not get too comfortable with that because it's coming back, and the time is now to make sure it goes nowhere next time as well. This is going to be just a continuous thing over and over and over again. So we're here for you. You guys are here for us. Um, sure appreciate everybody's help. So in this episode, I have got my buddy Alex Wagner down in um, southern Idaho and jumps on with me. And we kind of we go through all sorts of stuff. We, we recorded this a few weeks ago. And so I've been sitting on this uh, audio for a long time and, and uh, finally getting it out there. And we are we talk about archery hunting. We talk about tags. We talk about ethics. We talk about getting into hunting and problems with uh, with the, the, you know, just the atmosphere within the hunting community sometimes that, that can arise that I feel like we were able to kind of negate and, and push back on uh, recently by coming together over SB 252, which, you know, when the, at the time when we recorded this episode, me, Alex and I, uh, you know, that, that bill was just not, not a thing. I, we didn't know about it yet. So this is a great conversation. He's, he's a great guy. Um, he's got a lot of experience hunting and, uh, you know, has a lot to offer um, new hunters and old hunters alike. He is the regional director um, of ISB, Idaho State Bowhunters Association for one of the southern regions down there, and super passionate about archery hunting and just hunting in general, you get a lot out of it. Hey, if you guys don't mind, if you have not subscribed to the show, uh, these are things I'm learning about uh, this whole podcasting thing, you know, over a year later. <laughs> it really, really helps the show if you subscribe. Uh, if whatever platform you're listening to on this, you know, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever, um, 
if you wouldn't mind jumping on and, and uh, hitting subscribe, that uh, that really helps us out. So I appreciate that. Thank you guys for your support. Uh, January was a record number of downloads, and that is super cool. Uh, I, I thought it would be very difficult to beat the numbers that we had last August uh, because we had, a, we had a big month last August, but we actually blew those numbers out of the water by like uh, by the time it was said and done, about 1,400 downloads. 1,400 downloads more than we saw in August of last year. So that's a significant number. Uh, thank you guys for that. I appreciate that. Let's get into it with Alex Wagner. Here we go, guys. Thank you. How you doing, brother? Good. How are you, Jim? Hey, I'm not uh, not too shabby for a Wednesday night. Um, for for those of you in the audience, I've got uh, my my buddy Alex Wagner. He is down in Southern Idaho, kind of outside of uh, the Idaho Falls area. You're down in Buell, Idaho. Is that what you said? Yeah. So it actually it's uh, Twin Falls, not Idaho Falls, or Jim. Oh, sorry, man. I I just asked you that, and I totally screwed it up. Still, see uh, that that's what happens. Yeah. I know. Way to go, Space Cadet. <laughs> So Alex is a uh, he's uh, on the uh, now. What do you do for Idaho State Bowhunters? First of all, so I'm the I'm the region four director. So basically, I take care of the bow clubs that are in region four, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of a I'm kind of the middleman between the bow clubs and bow hunters and the Idaho fishing game, and so. I'm kind of always constantly going back and forth working with the two groups and it's, it's a hundred percent volunteer position. So, yeah. Yeah. So, the, and that's what I wanted to get out. You're, you're a, one of the directors for Idaho state bow hunters. Um, and so you're, you're dealing with Scott a lot, huh? Scott Schmidt. Yeah. Yep. Scott oh, Schmidt. And just for him, I'm going to, I'm going to call him old Schmitty cause it, it, I think that that just kind of irritates him. And if it irritates yeah, old him, Schmitty. I know, old Schmitty, old Schmitty, <laughs> we said it like five times there, Scott, that's for you, brother. <laughs> so no, that's awesome. And, and, uh, you're a native Idahoan. Yeah. Born and raised. Okay. And so what we're talking about today, um, we got together and decided to talk a little bit of bow hunting and and uh, talk about, you know, just general hunting topics um, that I think a lot of people will have some interest in. And Alex is uh, out there a lot. He puts himself out there both on social media and other places like, you know, being in the Idaho State Bow Hunters. Uh, he's got a long track record of being a hunter. Uh, and we're going to get into all that and dive down all sorts of different topics. We'll see where the conversation leads us. Uh, we're not shy. And so we did, however, agree that we're not talking about because uh, as we're as we're recording, it's inauguration day. And uh, this is going to be like, you know, a couple weeks out, but um, it's inauguration night. And so we, we agreed not to talk any politics. And uh, I think we're cool with that. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yep. Okay, Alex, let, let's uh, let's kick this off. Give us a little background. Tell us uh, how you grew up, how you got into hunting, um, and uh, just just some general Alex Wagner history, and and we'll take it from there. Cool. Uh, so, you know, just like regular regular childhood, you know, but 
I had a dad that loved hunting and my mom, uh, not so much, but she always, you know, she always supported it. And, um, when what, I was probably, wait, I, let, let me stop you. What, what did your mom not like about it? Did she not like the hunting? <clears throat> did she not like the taste of wild game? It was, it was, it was more along the lines of, uh, when it's hunting season, dad was gone. Like that's ah, just yeah. all there was, you know, just the typical, typical thing that can be a, a, a fight in a, a marriage or a couple, you know, I, I, I battle it in my, my relationship, but mm-hmm. it's, it is hard. You got to, you know, kind of take and give and some days really stick your neck out on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. My, and my wife, she gets burned out sometimes, uh, cause, cause I hunt a lot, but, um, it's so circumstantial too. Like, you know, when my, when my kids were in diapers, I had, uh, this one trip where I left her hanging for like a week where I went out on this deer hunt and, uh, she didn't really know until like the day before that was pretty messed up for me to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned, uh, how to communicate, you know, that part of it. And so I could totally see that my, my mom, you know, what's interesting. You say that my mom used to get irritated until she, she got in like with this, um, this, this group of ladies that when it was deer season, they called it deer widow weekend and all the <laughs> ladies would get together and they'd like go somewhere. Like they'd go to this destination and, and, you know, have a spa day and, and do, you know, drink wine and, and all this, you know, whatever, whatever women that don't hunt do, um, that's what they did. And, and after that it was cool. So anyway, yeah. I carry on with your story, man. So, uh, yeah, anyways, I mean. Uh, you know, my, my parents both seen that I was always like this really athletic type of person, but I was never, I was never like big into the contact sports. I was never, I was actually really good at baseball. Were you? You know, fo- football. Yeah. I'd get plowed over. I was always the little shrimp kid that, <laughs> you know, didn't matter. I was the guy that got tossed upside down. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> Football's a tough subject for me, man. It is. I, I was but, good at uh, it, but it cut into hunting season so bad that it, it was a problem for me. I literally quit in high school because it, it cut into deer season. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of, I got into the archery sports and my dad, he got me, he got me going with it. And, and then he, I think he's seen that there was, there was more to Cause we used to go to like the little 3d shoots and, you know, the local clubs and stuff. Yeah. And he would see that I would like do good. Like something was just kind of missing. I was doing something, but he didn't know how to a hundred percent teach me, but he had a general idea. Gotcha. Well, um, probably one of the greatest elk hunters on the face of the planet. His name's Tim Malone. He, you know, became friends with my dad. And next thing you know, I'm in a, car with five guys going to shoots and shoots and shoots and you know from there it led to a, a staff position with martin archery when they were good bows not the crap they sell now <laughs> and uh so uh, they had hold, hold on one sec let's i i just gotta you keep saying things that uh spark some some interest there this tim malone guy is that what his name was yep he's the best elk hunter in the world uh, he's probably uh top five, I would guess. The guy's shot 39 bulls in Idaho. Is, is he bow. still around? 
Yeah. I'd like I, tell him he he. Uh, I, I'd like to get him on the show, man. I like those old timers uh, that have a lot of stories like that. We'll see. He's kind of he's kind of finicky about that kind of subject, but I'll see what <laughs> I can do. All right, cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then next thing you know, Tim Tim almost kind of in a way became a, a different a different person in my eyes because yeah, I learned a lot of crap from him. But at the same time, he was also the first to chew on me, too, if I did something stupid. Like, mm-hmm. it, it almost kind of became like a a weird second fog, father figure, I guess, so to speak. And you know, I, I'm, that's not even the right term either, even though I know he doesn't have kids. But I still hang out with him. We go horn hunting all the time, go elk hunting. And probably the, the craziest elk hunting story I've ever had is with him. I, I want to get into that story, if, if you don't mind sharing that. But yeah. um, when when he was chewing India and he's like kind of teaching you, you know, taking you mm-hmm. under his wings kind of thing, how did you take that? Well, actually, before you answer that, how old are you, Alex? So I am 31 now. Okay. And I've known Tim since I was probably probably 12 somewhere in there okay okay how did you and take how did you take it like i from from my perspective those those older guys that when like they had this way of teaching that could come across i think to a lot of people as like brash right and yeah. and and not super polite or whatever but for me i learned a lot from dudes like that how was it for you um to me, it was it was just uh, like if I screwed up and he, you know, said something like he didn't like harp on you or anything like major bad, but he definitely like he could definitely hear like a tone change in his voice. Mm, yeah. And that's when you knew you screwed up. <laughs> and but at the same time, like at the time, you know, you were kind of like, oh, well, but. You'd think on it a couple of days later, and you knew that that person seemed more in you, so it pushed you harder. So and okay. it's it's not like a a person you know without any kids is just taking you along for a ride for fun. Mm-hmm. They see something in you. Yeah. They see whatever it is. They see something awesome, and yeah. so they want to influence it even more and get it out of you. Cool. So I, I love stories like that, man. I, I and so he was kind of like this. Was he? You, you had your dad that was like a hunting yep. mentor, right? Yep. And then you and had, had this Malone guy who was like an extra. So you had like a couple extra or mentors. Oh yeah. Yep. And then and then I had my my dad's best friend and still to this day, uh, Dan Deagle, and he's he actually served on the Fish and Wildlife Board. And mm-hmm. what the Fish and Wildlife does is. They basically, you know, like uh, the new building in in uh, Boise for the department. They they funded it, and then the department will come back and and pay it back. But they put the money up forth, and so they do that with a lot of projects. Gotcha. And it's the Idaho Fish and Wildlife Foundation, and it's super awesome. And it's not really like a major political group by any means, mm-hmm. but but they fund big projects like overpasses for mule deer or. You know, a new department building or, or something to that extent, something that they will put the money up and then the department can slowly pay it back because of how legislation and everything. Yeah, that's a big giant mess. But yeah, yeah. 
It's gotcha. a it's a really good program. So you were like getting back to kind of learning. Uh, you, are, hunting wise, are you mainly a bow hunter? Uh, I am pretty much like ninety five percent a bow hunter. You do do a little rifle hunting here and there. Uh, yeah, a little bit here and there. I did yeah. harvest an antelope in Montana this year. With uh, was, you did that rifle. Yeah, that was rifle hunt. It was a good time. How how did but, you do that? Did you in Montana? Were you were you like setting a blind over water or? No, it was all a hundred percent just spot and stock and in that that sort of sort of deal. Okay, well, um, we might have to talk with, off air a little bit about that because I I've got some good points building up in Montana, man, and and, and it's a lot closer than Southern Idaho to me. <laughs> yeah, well, Montana is fun. The the tag that I drew. We did have the option to go bow hunt. It's a it's a split season type tag. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember the dates. It's like September 10th to October 9th, I think it was, was archery. And then from the 10th of October to like the 10th of November was rifle. Gotcha. And we had so much going on this year that we just went rifle hunting and I'd never shot an animal with a rifle. So that's what happened. What uh, what kind of rifle were you using on an antelope? Uh, I just shot a. I just shoot my two forty three. The oh, that'd be perfect for a speed goat, man. It was. It was. It was awesome. It was a. It was a quick one shot, clean done kill. I mean, it was. It was perfect. My hunt lasted about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's always a good thing and a bad thing all at once. You know, I <laughs> so many times I've regretted. And I'm not one of those dudes that, you know, passes on certain animals, but there have been a few times where I did pass because I didn't want the season to be over. It's like the first day. And, uh, but usually I am a, if it's, if it's in front of me and it's legal and I got to tag for it, that, that sucker's going down, man. But it is a bummer when you tag out early. You know, this was pretty much just like a, a weekend, a weekend type trip. Um, mm-hmm. So between between the five of us this year, the the same five people that I always constantly hunt with, other than my sister, mm-hmm. she she got her first anything this year, which was awesome. And I was literally like right next to her, and Dad got to watch the whole deal unfold, and it was I mean that was really cool. But uh, yeah, you know between the five five people that I mainly hunt with. We did harvest 18 big game animals this year in several states, and we had a good time. And that's, that's badass. That's just yeah, that's just what we do. Like we we go hunt. So I want to I want to I want to go back to this uh, crazy elk story you were talking about with oh. uh, Malone, Mr. Malone. So uh, so uh, we got this. It's it's Tim's spot, and so. You know, it's like one of them, I am 100% forbidden to go there, take anybody there. And uh, it's, you know, it's always been his his spot. But You'll share anyways, a point with me, though? No, nope, I can't even do that with you. <laughs> like, I'm just going to have to tell you, you're going to have to go pound sand on that one. <laughs> I ask everybody. It's always worth an ask. Well, if it is, <laughs> it might come up next to your mom's house. Just just saying. <laughs> Uh, but but uh anyways we call this spot the hole and the reason we call it the hole is is it's short for hell hole i mean 
It is a seven-mile hike in, and cool. it's it's big, giant, badass, a hundred percent sagebrush country. And there's three tree patches that are about uh, the big ones, probably I don't know, quarter mile long, but the other two are only the size of a house. They ain't, they ain't very big. Anyways, I called him and like, hey, how you doing or whatever, you know, and he said, hey, I shot a, a big six point and uh, I was going to see if you wanted to go and, you know, you could, you know, help me run the horses because he, he has horses and and to, to get the horses in there, it's not so bad. It's getting the horses back out when they're loaded. You got to have a second person to to really zigzag them back and forth because it's so steep that you can't you can't ride them. Yeah you'll kill yourself or you'll kill your horse. Yeah. And so he told me, he's like, well, you know where to go. Uh, just, why don't, why don't you go up ahead of me and I'll just take the horses in. That ain't no big deal. And we'll just work slowly and give you an hour and a half to hunt. And then we'll get my elk and we'll, uh, get that sucker out of there. I said, okay, not a problem. And I got there first thing that morning and I'm like, where the crap is my range finder? At? I couldn't find it. He's like, well, here's mine. So we got to the first ridge and the, and the first ridge is, that's just the starting point. It takes 45 minutes from the truck just to get to the top of the first ridge. Mm-hmm. Then you got to drop all the way back down and then go all the way back up into another ridge and then all the way back down. And then finally you're in the hole. And I get almost to the top of the first ridge and there's a bull and he comes walking over in the little saddle that we always cross. Didn't get a shot. Well, I screwed up and, his camo rangefinder. I just left it sitting there, and I'm like, going, "Oh, good night!" Like looking around. Yeah, th- this Finally is a this it. is a bow hunt, right? Yeah, it's an it's a hundred percent archery hunt. Okay, okay. And uh, September. Finally found the found finally found the rangefinder, and then I you know took off and went into the hole. I got up over in the top, and there is elk just everywhere. There's like groups up to the north. There's groups south, east, west. There's like 20 different bulls bugling and it is the most dream situation a person could ever live in. Bitching, but it's man. a, but it's a hundred percent sagebrush. Like I said, so you have mm-hmm. to have a very methodical plan in your head of what you are actually going to do to be successful. And one of the greatest pieces of advice that I have ever gotten was what Tim had told me. Any animal that you pursue, you think of it as a sniper. If that sniper sees, hears, smells you, anything, you're dead. The game is over. Oh, I like that, man. That's and cool. So I've never thought I've, of it that I've, way. I've, I've, I've always thought of it that way. I've always been like, ooh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So the old makes your noodle click, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got up on top of this ridge, and uh, we, uh, I see this elk, and so I – I take off after it and it's, it's a decent six point. And, uh, so I, I scoot down on my butt like a hundred yards. And then I kept noticing this bull and he would come out on this point and he'd bugle, bugle, bugle. And then he'd walk away and go back and check his cows. And then he'd come back out to this point. Well, every time that bull went away, I would literally hundred yard dash it down the hill, making all sorts of ruckus and noise. And it was really an abrasive move. Mm-hmm. But it was the only move I had. And I got in the tree patch, and I kept trying. That bull would come out, and I'd 
hyper cow call and I talked to him and I'd try bugling. I'd try doing all sorts of crazy stuff. What, what do you mean hyper cow call? What, is that just like so, an excited cow kind of thing? It's it's a, a, a hyper cow is is a, a cow in estrus, and it it's it's a lot higher pitched, a lot longer pitched. It's not just a, a mew. It's 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 a note that lasts like five to seven seconds. So what do you? Because that's that's an interesting take. Because you know, if if you've listened to this show at all, we've we've had a lot of discussion about you know different uh, vocalizations that cows and bulls and all this stuff takes. There's a lot of people that have this general consensus that that cow elk don't do an estrus call, and and so and it's always like this contentious thing, you know. Oh no, they do. Oh no, they don't. What's your take on that? They 100% do. So you've heard him and, do that. Yes, I have. And it's 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 a really high pitched whiny sound and it lasts like five seconds instead of just going Ew! like a regular elk is just you know mewing. It's, it's one of those like meow it's, meow yeah, kind of thing. It's it, yeah, yeah. and there's two I think in elk language it can mean more than one thing. I, I think it could also mean like, you know, leave me alone, like little raghorn bull chasing a cow around. Like, I've also heard them do it like if they can't find their calf, they'll do this long, drawn out, like five second, crazy sounding mew thing. Yep. They're they're and they're in distress like a, one way or the other, like, right? Like yeah, and so it's it's all in how you kind of kind of do it. If you start out high and then you go low, that's like a, a more of a an estrus type sound. If you go low than high. That's more of a demanding, where are you, my child? Get your ass over here now type of thing. Gotcha. L- looking for, you know, their calf or whatever. I hate it when I'm recording something like this and I, I can't find my elk calls because I'd, I'd like to kind of talk about that one for a, a minute. But I don't know where I put my mouth calls, man. My diaphragms are – I think they're way over there and I'd have to take my headphones off. So forget it. But – yeah. Anyways, uh, I get in this, this tree patch and you know, it's like, it's a steep sucker. I mean, it's like 60, 70 yards up to this bully mm-hmm. where he's at. And this goes on for like 40 minutes and I haven't seen Tim yet. You know, he has two horses and a yellow lab because the yellow lab just wants to go for a hike. I mean, all we're doing is just retrieving an elk. I'm yeah. hunting. So, I mean, we're in 100% legal status here. And uh, I see the bull come out again, and I, I hyper-cow called him. I'm trying to get him to break and come down. And he would. He'd stop, and he'd look, and he'd look down those trees like, hmm, I don't see you. Well, that last time I decided to make a really aggressive move. Mm-hmm. And I made it about – 40 yards up the hill and that bull came out but because of the angle and everything i didn't shoot he was only 20 yards yeah well that bull i didn't cow call that time and so it was a lot shorter period that he was out on that point and that bull turns around well about that time i hear this bugle behind me and i'm like oh that sounds like tim bugle and i look over and here's tim and a bright brown and white horse 
and another bright, solid white horse, and a yellow lab just running in circles, like going off. <laughs> and and these these elk can like full fledged see, you know, Tim and the horses and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. That bull came back to his bugle and did not care. And I shot that bull at 18 yards. So was was Malone? Was he bugling from the horse? Was he was he actually saddled up? Nope, he was just holding the reins and. And he starts cranking started, on a bugle, huh? Yep, just started cranking on a bugle, and it was like the wildest thing because I shot this bull at 18 yards, and the bull took off like an absolute rocket, like you had just lit dynamite under somebody's ass. Sweet. And he hits the only tree on the whole entire hillside that's actually bigger than about eight inches in diameter Mm -hmm. and broke his second point on the right side. And uh, Tim, with his bare eyes, could actually see blood pumping and spraying all over the sagebrush. Whoa. It was the most wildest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. That's crazy, And it's, man. it's still, to this day, my biggest bull that I've, I've ever actually had the chance to shoot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did, but, uh, do you guys usually go in on horseback? Or is that just um, to retrieve an elk? No, we only use the horses to actually retrieve an animal out of there because it's so far. And there's yeah. too many ups versus downs. I'm always curious about that, man, because um, I, I used to hunt horseback with a with a dude uh, that and, – and actually, I'm working on trying to get him on the show because I think he'd be – uh, a cool dude for people to hear from because he's he's an older guy that's that's just got a lot of experience and he's hunting a lot on horseback. But anyway, what he used to talk about, and and I want to get, I, I'd like to get your take on this. But what he used to talk about is when you go elk hunting and and you're on horseback, the elk don't recognize you on the back of the horse. They only recognize the horse, which is a prey animal like them. So they're not all that disturbed. And so if if anybody listening listening to this has any kind of like take on this or or input they can offer, this is something I've always wondered about. But he used he and he says that he used to be able to essentially ride up to a herd of elk on his horse with a bow. And he'd get shot opportunities doing doing that because the elk weren't necessarily all that spooked by the horse. I question, I, I don't question him. He he's a guy that he he's not he does not one of those guys that just kind of bs's everybody, you know. And because I, I when he initially told mm-hmm. me that, I, I questioned that. Like that's Comanche shit right there. Yeah, and and uh, you, you know what I mean. And and so I, I'm I'm curious. So. I want to hear your take, and I also want to let like the audience know if you guys if you guys have an opinion on that or experience with with riding a horse up to a game animal, whether it's deer, or elk, or or whatever, um, and and how the animals, the wildlife reacts to that. I'd like to hear it. Uh, shoot me an email, Jim at thewesternhuntsman.com, and and uh, I'd love to hear because that's something I've I've been t- I've been thinking about in my mind for a long time um, because I I don't have horses anymore. I used to. And I used to hunt a lot on horseback, and I never tried it personally. Um, we'd we'd usually dismount and I'd, I'd you know hobble the horse or, or whatever to 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 kind of finish off the hunt. But anyway, it's just an interesting thing. What's your take? Have you have you ever done that? Uh, I've taken the horses with Tim before, and you know like gone for a ride and that kind of thing. And you know like during the summertime. 
I've I think I've seen you know some elk and stuff from the horses and they're just kind of like whatever for a minute. I I did ride but, up to a cow moose one time on on horseback and they almost touched noses. They were they were super curious about each other, um, <laughs> but they they you know were kind of standoffish kind of thing you know. And so I've just always been curious about that because I so I got rid of horses because they are a pain in my ass and and I mean they colic they uh, they cost a fortune uh, they require constant attention and and I loved my horse I had this horse his name was Bad Whiskey and Bad Whiskey and I were uh, prolific jackrabbit hunters and coyote hunters and, uh, and all this <laughs> stuff you know I, I literally would shoot off his back at coyotes and stuff, you know, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, but man, he just, they cost me a fortune. I'm just not rich enough for horses or something. Uh, well, so I'm always curious about that stuff. Yeah. Horses are expensive. And, and it's yeah. like, I've got several, I've got several friends that, you know, if I, I have been known to do some pretty dumb things, bow hunting, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're only a phone call away or, and, and, and now thanks to my amazing girlfriend, um, a text message away because she bought me a Garmin inReach this year for Christmas, which nice. is like like uh, the best thing ever for Dude, me. Dude, now during hunting season, you and I we we, we could like bounce ideas off each other's, uh, you know, with our with our satellite phones. Hey, right. what's up? What, what should I do? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I know, right? Mhm, mhm. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's a hundred percent true thing. Honestly, I think some of that's kind of a a wives' tale because. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard to believe. Uh, I, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on that one right now, Jim. I am too. I can't see it. I, I just don't see it. However, the dude that I'm talking about that talked about this is one of those guys that you, you just you know he doesn't really BS anybody, and you also like I've been in the field with him enough to know like he he can track a deer or an elk or whatever, but in this particular case that I have experience with this guy, man, he is one hell of a tracker. I learned so much hunting from him uh, by tracking a deer that I'd hit, and uh, he led me right to him, and it was it was amazing. I learned I learned how to track from this guy, and this is you know 15 years ago or something, but um, anyway, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get him on the show because I think a lot of people learn from him, but I, I'm just always curious about that horse thing and and what he talked about with that, and so. Um, the question I have for you, kind of rolling along through this, uh, why bow hunting? What? What? Why? Yeah, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird because, like, when you're, you know, at the time when I shot that bull with Tim, I was 17, mm-hmm. I think, and that wasn't actually my first bull ever. It was probably my third or fourth. And it was probably my, I don't know, 10th big game animal somewhere in there mm-hmm. at the time. But it's always been the the actually beating the animal senses. Any jackass can go and shoot a rifle mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not hard. You know, two, three hundred yards, it's, it's, it's really not hard. Sure. America was born and raised on guns. And we took bows from Indians. That's pretty much how it was. Mm-hmm. But in the reality of things, uh, 
it's it's being close to the animals it's it's beating all their senses even that magical sixth sense that you don't even know what it really honestly is it just sometimes things just don't work out and you thought it was 100% in the bag deal type of thing man there is something and, to that man there is something to that and, sixth sense and uh so it's always always been bow hunting is is my thing and i like to be close to the animals and once you actually learn to bow hunt and you become actually pretty successful at it, uh, the part I like about it too is I can, I can go and I can give back. That's the thing. I know how to teach people, uh, shot, you know, for Martin Archery. I staffed for Martin Archery from when I was about 15 to about 22 years old. Mm-hmm. So I shot a lot of, a lot of big time tournaments and, you know, I got to do a little bit of traveling and it was, it was a lot of fun, but yeah. the part that for me now, why bow hunting, it's, it's learning to give back. And so I do help out at uh, advantage archery, which, um, Caleb Drake is the owner of that. And he is, he is super awesome. He is the most down to earth person you could ever meet. Where's that shop at? That shop is in Twin Falls, Idaho, and is actually the third largest shop in the West. Oh, nice! No kidding. I, I didn't so, know that. Cool. it's 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 a phenomenal world to be in that shop. The mm-hmm. atmosphere is it's different, and I'm not saying that because I get paid to do it. I don't actually get paid to do anything. It's that atmosphere is different, and the team that is there will always be willing to help. And there's some fantastic shooters in there. Uh, Francisco uh, Cantu is, is one of them, one of them people. And I actually butt heads with him eh, quite often about, <laughs> you know, little different things or shooting or whatever. And I, you know, I, I get along with him. You know, there's something to be said right now. Yeah. There's something to be said for, and, and this applies to, you know, whether it's hunting or politics or, or uh, you know, bottle cap collections, uh, there's a lot to be – there's something to be said for people that know that they can disagree with each other and still be mm-hmm. friends. And and I think that – I've talked about that a lot on the show, you know, and, and it's one of those things I, I get so irritated about how people can they, – they, they could become bitter enemies over the smallest of disagreements, Mm-hmm. And and that that just it rubs me the wrong way because that's not how I was raised. You know, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Look, Thanksgiving at my house when I was a kid, it was a freaking like all out verbal assault on each other. Ever all the adults were getting around there talking politics and they'd argue and scream. But you know what they did? They were hugging as we left the door. You know, as, as we we're right. going home. You know, and so that's that's cool. You can do that. Um, it's, it's always, it's always something that, that bothers me with, with folks. And, and I think social media has made that worse, uh, that, that, you know, it's okay if we disagree a little bit, that does not mean we're enemies. You know, you're not, right. you're not Al Qaeda because uh, right. you don't see things my way, but, um, getting back to what you were talking about with, uh, being a bow hunter, wh- the one thing I wanted to touch on, and this is coming from a dude, um, I choose weapons based on what kind of season I want to get. Right. So right. I'm 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 pretty good with a bow. Uh, I'm pretty good with a rifle. Uh, I'm okay with a muzzle loader too. Uh, the only thing I've shot with that is a wild pig, uh, and that was with a cool Civil War musket. And and uh, I'm pretty <laughs> proud of that. The, the thing of 69 caliber round uh, mini ball smooth bore musket, man. Civil War musket. I even had the bayonet and everything. Anyway, 
I, I, cause I, I, I like, I like rifle hunting for certain things. I like bow hunting for certain things, but the one thing that I will say about bow hunting is, is something that you kind of alluded to there, which was talking about this, uh, the sixth sense that the animal has, you know, winter is a great time to get stocked up, geared up and dialed in for this coming hunt, hunting season coming up in 2021. So I want to save you guys some money. And first off, let's start with Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots are the boot of choice at the Western Huntsman. And it used to be, Hoffman Boots used to be like this little North Idaho secret with their hunting boots. But these boots are great boots. They won't cost you as much as some of the other top name brands out there, but they are every bit as good. And to save it even a little bit more money, I want you to type in the promo code Huntsman10 to save you 10% off at checkout. Now, I got to give you a fair warning real quick up front with Hoffman Boots. They're they're like six weeks out right now on orders uh, because everybody is jumping on the Hoffman Boot train and you should too. Next, I got Scree Gear, Extreme Mountain Gear. This high-performance hunting attire and gear is specifically tested for camel patterns throughout the North American continent and it's backed by a great company. Guys, Scree has a great history. I tested this gear all last season, and I put that gear through the ringer up and down, left and right, to and fro. Save you a little bit of money. Use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN at checkout to save you 15% off and free shipping. That's a hell of a deal. Check out Scree Gear. ScreeGear.com. It'll be in the show notes. Last and certainly not least, Phelps Game Calls, the choice, the selected call company of the western huntsman officially for 2021 guys there's some uh, big things happening with phelps game calls and i can't say enough good things about this company what a story started in a just like this workshop and now it's one of the premier hunting call companies out there on the market and if you haven't tried phelps game calls you're really missing out you you really are missing out on those diaphragm elk reads uh, they are amazing, and they will. The amp frame is an absolute game changer. Check it out at Phelps.com and use promo code Huntsman10 at checkout to save you 10%. Let's get back into the conversation, guys. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. Here we go. Have you ever been in a situation where you are super close to the animal? I'm talking 20 yards or less. And I don't care if it's a deer, I, I, I don't care if it's a, if, you know, an elk or a, a wild boar or a, you know, antelope, whatever, pronghorn. Um, I was correct. I was correct when I say antelope because I know there's dudes that cringe when I say that because, you know, they are pronghorns. But uh, anyways. Yeah, but they got lots of names for them. They do. They do. Uh, so I don't care what the animal is, but have you ever been in that situation where, you know, you could feel how close that that animal is you whether so some circumstances are you're sitting there bow hunting and there's a doe that walks up and you don't want a doe you want to shoot a buck or there's a buck or an, a bull elk and and you're they're not offering a shot even though they're super close because it's you know way brushy or, or they're behind a tree or whatever but that that feeling you get that you could feel their presence right and mm-hmm. and you could see by their body language and how alert they are they feel your presence as well. They know you're 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 not. They, they don't smell you. They don't see you. They don't hear you. You're just sitting still. But they are on high alert. They know something's there, and and that is what really gets my 
blood pumping when it comes to to bow hunting is like man i you've i've been so close i could damn near reach out and spank their ass like i was a you know whatever but uh that that feeling that you get like you're connected to that animal you know what i mean and this this buck i shot and actually this one of the bucks i shot this year um it happened it, it was a rifle hunt i was rifle hunting but he happened to just come in super super close i'm talking uh 12 yards maybe and he knew i was there but he didn't you know what i mean he felt something was there there was danger there was there was somebody there and i knew he was there uh only because i could see the tops of his tines coming through the brush and and you know i just i i knew he was obviously i could see him because i got him and put a tag on him right but uh it's something there's something to that sixth sense that you were talking about and and i don't think that gets talked about enough what can you expand on that like what do you think about that yeah i i can say i've i've uh i've had that feeling you know several several times probably one of the greatest ones i can think of is uh mm-hmm. i actually shot my uh largest black bear that i've ever actually shot at eight yards and uh wait wait that, did you say that was a black bear yep at eight yards yep with a bow yep bitching and so i actually i hunt with a, a non-resident guy and him and i are not just like friends we're like brothers uh, his name's hazen downward um super top-notch dude i met him on another hunting staff that I was actually part of and like became friends and we did all sorts of other dumb crap together and became mm-hmm. better friends and you know now it's now it's like if i don't talk to him like it's kind of weird because like his wife is always like your girlfriend's on the phone like like always making fun <laughs> of us you know Jeez. but but uh that's awesome you know you know he lives in salt lake and i live here and so you know a, a 15 minute conversation can go a long ways in a person's day and i've always been a, a a type of person that if i really care about you i will talk to you every day other than you know your basic you know your mom your dad your brother your sister your your intermediate family yeah just if, one of those your, like friendships i i know what you yeah. i know what you mean man and it's it's one of them it's one of them friendships and we we constantly talk we constantly bounce it you know ideas off each other's heads you know you think this is going to work like we'll get messages. He's the only dude I can actually have a conversation with, with, you know, the emojis on your text messages where it's not words. It's just like symbols. You know, like we can have, yeah, yeah, we can have a full fledged conversation in emojis. It's straight up. It's like the dumbest thing ever to actually admit that. But, (laughs) but, uh, um, I'd never really been into, to, to bear hunting or bear baiting or any of that. And that was kind of always, that was kind of one of his things. And I got invited and, you know, the first year I went, I shot a bear with my rifle and it was, it was cool. Like it was an enjoyment. And then, uh, you know, the following year I, I went and I, I got another bear, but I got my first one with my bow and that was cool. Cause he was actually sitting right next to me when that happened. Nice. Same with the first one. We were actually the first one. I was just check. We were just checking baits and it just happened to work out the way it did mm-hmm. but the 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 third one and that's my actual largest bear i've ever shot it was it was a different 
different thing. It was really tough and there was lots of rain and the bears were just not working. And like he'd been out hunting like three times and I'd just been sitting in the tra- trailer just drinking beer because my bait that I set had zero bears, none. Nice. Well, if there ain't nothing going on in your bait, why do you got to leave camp? So I just hang out and, you know, drink, sit, drink and scratch on scratch tickets or talk to people. Are or, you, are you, know, you drinking tonight? Eh, no, not really. What kind of beer are uh, you drinking? Uh, I'm a Coors Light kind of guy, but. Oh, man, I knew we were going to be buddies, man. The Silver uh, Bullet, dude. Yeah, it is a Silver Bullet. Hell with I, all those I hipster to, beers. I, I, I like I, the Silver Bullet. Well, I have to drink the Silver Bullet because my family grew Coors beer. So if you drink anything else, you're kind of like abolished in this family. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And so anyways, uh, I finally, you know, we went and checked cameras and there was a, there, there happened to be a bear on my bait. And I'm like, but the camera, all we could hear was just noises. And it was a night, it was a nighttime video. But we never could see it because the bear was actually sniffing the camera. Mm. We went in the next day and we actually restocked the bait with bore masters and and uh, you know really got it. What what is know, what is bore masters, dude? Is that so? So bore masters is a uh, Idaho made product. It's made by Nick Hopkins, super another top notch guy, and uh, it is a, a bait attractant. There's multiple different scents. So you, it's types. something. So you, you get some kind of bait, and then you, you like either spray it or pour this, this bore masters on top. Yeah. Of it. So like, so like, uh, so like your grains, your corns, your dog food, all that. There's a powder that you can put it on it, and it's a hundred times sweeter than sugar. So it makes wow. that bait, it, it makes that bait addictive, but it, it still. I don't care what you say about bear baiting or whatever. It's bear baiting is one of the hardest things you can do. Well, I to, think uh, to do it correctly, you know, I should say that a lot of people, they, it's, it's funny too. Like you get, you get dudes that bitch about bear baiting that live in other States outside of Idaho that uh, in the same breath that they're, they're bitching about people that bait for bears are sitting out there with one of those corn feeders for whitetail. And it's it's just kind of a silly notion, you know, bears are extremely elusive. They're extremely cautious. So baiting is a great management tool to keep these bear numbers down. And it's for the hunter's sake. And it's also for the bear's sake because these bears will outbreed the management efforts of hunters. So the state of Idaho determined, and some other states have done this too, that it it is okay to bait these bears because then we're more successful at managing these bears and it creates a healthier population. So the whole argument against bear baiting is just silly. And and I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, shut up, dude. You're out there baiting these freaking whitetail on your game ranch in, in whatever state you're in. And and you're practically raising these deer that you have names for, uh, and and they're you know exactly what time they get up and have their coffee and move move on through your little meadow where you have all this baiting and food and feed and all the stuff that you've you've managed for, but yet bear baiting in the West is a problem. Like, come on, grow up. I, it, that, I get I get sick of that argument, dude. It is. It's a it's a hard argument, and so in Montana, um, it's. 
you know, it's a hundred percent spot and talk. Um, spot and people, stock in Montana. Yeah. Yeah. And people think that, Oh, you shot a bear over bait. You cheated. Well, in the reality of things, they've never done it. It's one of the hardest things you can ever do. Yeah. And in fact, you look at bait and you're just like, I don't even want to go up the mountain anymore. I'm tired of playing this game. It's, <laughs> it's stupid. Like it makes you want to strap a time bomb to it and blow everything up. That's how mad you get at it. Yeah. You got to haul the barrel up. I mean, it's a lot of work. And I, it and is. so, and I'm, this is coming from a dude that is defending bear baiting that has never actually bear baited in, in, in the past. I've always done spot and stock or calling or whatever, but this year I am actually going to do some bear baiting because I've done a lot of homework on it. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily the most effective way to get a bear, but it is an effective way. And, but it is a lot of physical effort. Like I'm going to have to haul an empty 55 gallon drum, like two miles into this spot that I know where there's four or five bears hanging out. Um, and, and I only know they're there because I've ran into them while I was elk hunting. And, and so they're, and they're there every year. And so I, you know, it, it's just a lot of work and then you got to refill the bait barrel and, and all this stuff. But I'm curious as to what you said with this bore masters, because I, I, I've just about pulled the trigger or I'm sorry, the trigger on a, on a different bait called, uh, uh, Batum 907 and it's got really good reviews and stuff. So I'm just, I'm trying to get your opinion. You know, what, what's the difference there? You know, it's, I don't know. This is, this is going to be a, uh, I can already hear old Schmitty going, Batum 907. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I should like, get you both on, and you guys can both make a case to me. Batum 907 you know, versus Boremaster. <laughs> well, the, the the thing is, is, is uh, I'm not going to say either one of them suck. They're they're both great products, and and I I choose to stick with with somebody local in Idaho. Um, I do like that. I, I I I know the guy and. He's always done a, a well done job as customer service and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not to stir the pot here or nothing, but that's that's what we've always used and we've had luck with. And so why change? Okay, so yeah. th- I, I I agree with you uh, in terms of especially the local factor. I, I really like that. So I I've never even heard of that company. So that that's why I'm asking. Um, that leads me to another question when we're talking about uh, Scott Schmid. Um, who, by the way, if, if you guys don't know who we're talking about, Scott Schmid is the president of Idaho State Bowhunters, and he's been on the show. Um, he's a good dude that has a lot of experience, in, and we're just – when we give him a hard time, it's out of love, uh, and, and that's that's all that is. So uh, I just wanted to clarify that because, you know, we get people listening in somewhere like New Mexico. They're like, who the hell's old Schmidty? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's who uh, and, old Schmidt is, and so and and the, oh, and the old president, the old president of ISB is Toady Tad. Yeah, yeah, Toady Tad, man. Toady yeah, Tad, you and old Do you know Tad? You tell. Will you get on the phone with Tad and tell him to come on my damn show? I've been trying to get him on, and uh, I it was my fault. We had a time scheduled to get Tad on, and. Freaking, uh, I had something come up at work or whatever, and I couldn't make the time. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was last summer. But I really want to get Tad on it, man. He, that guy is the encyclopedia of bear hunting and uh, and pronghorn hunting, too. And I'd love to talk to him, but I, I just he every time I message him about it, he, he doesn't really respond. Uh, but he'll respond well, when we talk about other things. And so I'm just like, dude, come on the show, I, man. So if you're listening actually, in the audience and you know Tad, 
reach out to him and let him know the Western Huntsman's after him. I actually, uh, I actually talked to Tad right before we got on this deal, and did you? I had some, yeah, I had some other business and stuff to talk to, and he told me to tell you hi. Well, so that was that was a thing, and and he's a good dude, man. Him and so, his buddy uh, Jeff cracked me up. So a little little history of Alex and Tad. Tad is the one that, at the current current time of Idaho bow hunting and that kind of thing he was the current president and you know he'd been looking for a, a regional director that would actually pursue stuff and and knew what they were talking about and actually sit back and also listen and it took him a good like four or five weeks and that's the honest truth to convince me because it's a volunteer thing you know mm-hmm. and and I can, I can honestly say, you know, like, thanks, man. Like, it's been a cool ride. Like, that's, it's been rather interesting. And I've met some very unique people. And, <laughs> and, and it's kind of, it's kind of cool because once you, once you get involved, you can take the knowledge that you have and you can, yeah, tell the public and, Good time, you know, good part of the time, I'm going to say the public's going to fight you and call you a liar or you're getting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you put yourself getting, out there in that situation. Yeah, or you're getting given tags. I've had that. And, you know, I, I've had I've been bashed up and down the wall and I, I really don't care. But the one cool thing is, is when the Department of Fish and Game actually knows that you're working with them, mm-hmm. they actually invite you to go do a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. Especially when you when you create that friendship and it's on your part. It's not on their part. It's on your part. And you have to you ha- there is, you know, like, a you know, you got to be smart and you can't use their names and stuff because it's it's risk of a job. Yeah. yeah. But you learn so, so much in them, the science and and everything that goes into our wildlife here in Idaho Mm -hmm. is, is baffling. It's, it's dude, there's so many layers to it. There's so many, uh, different stakeholders, so to speak. There's so many different levels of, you know, you know, people that get so upset me not understand, you know, why that decisions have to be made. It's, it's such a complicated thing. And, um, I just, you know, you know, like guys like you and, and like Tad, you know, Tad's such a leader. He's 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 just one of those guys that you, you look at and, you, and you're like, man, I need to. He, he sets an example. And um and and what what people don't I, I'm glad you got involved with the Idaho State Bow Hunters. I'm glad whoever talked you into it to do it. Uh, I'm glad that happened because you, it changes your perception about things and, and how wildlife is managed and how, you know, you know seasons and rules are, are, are determined and the complication and the layers and the, and the different voices and perspectives that you have to deal with. Um, when I, when I was in the Marines, uh, you know, I had this first sergeant, first sergeant Andershack and man, he was, he was one of those guys that like, you couldn't even make a movie about this guy because he was such a badass, right? And he was, um, he was one of those guys that you didn't want to disappoint, right? He was, he was that kind of leader. It's not like he demanded respect. He commanded respect. 
and you didn't want to let him down. And I remember one time I did something because I, I was super mouthy in the Marines, and, and I let him down, and he was pissed at me. And and First Sergeant Andershek, you did not want him to be mad at you. And he was so <laughs> pissed at me. And I, I was upset about it. And I remember he told me, he, he brought me into his, his office. And, and when when you go into the First Sergeant's office, that's a problem. Like, you screwed up using good language. Uh, and I go in there, and, and he's like, listen, Huntsman, I deal with 300 different attitudes every single freaking day. And so what what he meant by that is he's dealing with 300 different attitudes from, from everybody within the company. He's a company first sergeant. And when, when you when you when you take that statement apart and understand that that the attitudes that are different perspectives with different personalities and how people approach things are so much different amongst 300 people. Imagine like the Idaho fishing game with thousands of different attitudes and personalities and perspectives and, and, and different approaches to how they come at something. And I kind of got off talk, topic there. I apologize about that, but uh, it, it reminded me of that. And, it, and, and I think that a lot of people, they, they don't understand what that, the magnitude of that looks like when you're dealing with something like the, the, the fishing game. And I don't care if it's Idaho fishing game or Arizona or Wyoming or, or, um, you know, Colorado, I know can get super contentious too. Uh, and so anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, dude. I just started going on a rant and that's, that's where we ended up. <laughs> <laughs> rants happen i get there i get it yeah you yeah, know the, it happens. the 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 thing that i i have to add to that though is it is hard it's a hundred percent the most difficult thing in the world some days being a volunteer that's uh, what it was yeah you're exactly right that's what it was i was getting it's, at it's, being it's, like it's a volunteer hard. for one of these organizations like idaho state bow hunters it, yeah it's it's hard you know, oh, by the way, you know, IASB is actually a 503C now tax deductible. So if you want to yes, make your is. donations, yeah, you Idahoans I'm waving out my there. hand at you right now. Anybody, any of you Idahoans that are uh, Idaho, uh, Idaho State resident bow hunters, you need to be members of the Idaho State Bow Hunters Association. I mean, they're, they've got your best interest at heart. And uh, for sure, I'm, I, I'd be I'd it's, be proud to plug them all day long. It's it's hard, though, because. You know, a lot of a lot of the general public actually thinks that you're you're paid to, you know, do this position or you're paid to say this. Or yeah, you're paid I know to for say sure. That. And and really, in the reality of things, no, I just I love bow hunting. Yeah, yeah. And I love the animals, and I love our state. So if you want, I, I'd to like argue, to just stop you right now and just uh, I'd like everybody to thank my wife. She just brought me a fresh drink. Thanks, babe. You're, you're awesome. And you're Good hot. job, Mrs. Huntsman. Yeah. Good job, Mrs. Thank Huntsman. <laughs> okay. Trophy wife. And and you're exactly <laughs> right, dude. The, uh, I think a lot of people they they look at that like you're you're not getting rich, but you're getting some kind of um, throwback or kickback or some kind of perk for being on a board of like that of of Idaho State Bow Hunters. And you know, I'm on the board of. Uh, Idaho Wildlife Federation, and I've been on lots of boards in the past, and 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 everybody mm-hmm. thinks there's some kind of big advantage, but it's not. It's just it's just basically no. this big you're, this big thing where, yeah, I mean you're just donating time. You're no, you're you're following your passion and your heart, exactly what it actually tells you, exactly. And yeah. and that's and that's the hard part because I mean there's there's lots of 
there's lots of groups on Facebook about hunting in Idaho and stuff, and I'm not going to name any of them, but I mean, if you're going to join one in, uh, about archery hunting in Idaho, go to I- Idaho archery hunters on Facebook. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great group and there's a lot of people there that are actually willing to help. It is more, more neutral and less arguments and bullshit. Yeah, it is. Idaho. It's, yeah, that's it's it's actually a really good group for when we're talking on on the standards of Facebook. Uh, it's a it's a good one. Uh, I started one back in 2014 called North Idaho Archery Hunters, and that one is is really good because there's like what you were just saying. There's not a lot of there's not like a bunch of contention and uh, you know arguing back and forth, and and that's rare for a hunting group on Facebook. It is and. And that's and that's the hardest part. No matter what we do as a group or even Idaho fishing game, you are not going to please a hundred percent of the people. Yeah. It's so difficult. the goal is to please fifty two percent, honestly. That's <laughs> that's that's straight up. I feel like you're you're kinda stretching it, man, trying to get fifty percent fifty two percent of agreement. Like like wow. I mean, that's what the majority of the people wanted, so that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the way our department works. So just because something doesn't go your way or what you think should have went your way doesn't mean that they didn't listen. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that I've ever actually learned from Tad. You know, he always told me to shut up and listen. And it, I didn't know what that yeah, meant that it's, at it's the a, time. That's such a great point. That, that's such a great point. And that's, that, that goes back to what I was talking about where – you know, Tad, he is a leader, man, and he has that kind of insight. He's been doing this for a long time. And and I, I sometimes where I get concerned is like a lot of the younger guys and gals that are kind of getting into hunting and they're, they're, they're just kicking off their hunting career. They're not listening to folks like Tad and, and Scott Schmid and Alex Wagner and, and, and all these people that we're talking about and, and guys outside of Idaho, I apologize for this, this is, this particular discussion is very Idaho specific, but you have the same kind of people in your state where you've got these guys, they, 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 and gals, they, they've been doing this for a long time. They've got a lot of experience. They've got a lot of really good perspective and insight. And I feel like sometimes some of the younger folks that, um, you know, they're just getting into it, and and whether it's for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, they're not listening to the the folks that have decades of experience in in, in this, and it's dynamite stuff. It, this is dynamite experience, and and uh, I'd I'd like to throw it out there again. If you're friends with Tad on Facebook or Instagram or something, I don't know if he's on Instagram or not, but um, shoot him a uh, a private message and let him know he needs to come on the Western Huntsman. Yeah, Tad's Tad's a good dude. Like he he is. He's he's a good dude. He is. And and actually I was the person that actually picked Scott <laughs> to be you the were? Yep. You picked Scott to be president? Yep. What in the world were you thinking? No, I'm uh, kidding. No, the ISB is lucky to have Scott. All right, I'm just totally kidding. I, lo- I I like to ruffle his feathers, man. Him and I, uh, we have some really good conversations off off of uh, off of recording a podcast. And and Scott is he's he's been a a great person to work with and learn with and yeah. And and the thing is, it's not just 
Scott and Alex as a team. There's Stephanie Dops. There's Jake. There's there's all sorts of people behind the scenes and. I feel like I, the, Idaho State they, Bowhunters. They're all important. Yeah, yeah. They're all like, important. Like what you're saying, and I, th- I feel like Idaho State Bowhunters just has their shit together, man. It's it's a great organization. It, we try to have our shit together. I'm not going to say we have our shit together every day, but. And I know I'm well aware there's hunters out there that are listening to this, and they're, they they heard that, and they're like, well, I disagree with Idaho State Bowhunters on this particular issue. Well, you got to really take a step back and look at it from a bird's eye view all in all. Uh, ISB is is really a good organization that has your best interest at heart. Whether the, the, you know there might be a couple things that you disagree with, but that's going to be the case with any. I don't care if it's Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Uh, I don't care if it's Foundation for Wildlife Management. I don't care if it's for the Mule Deer Foundation. There's always going to be certain things that that folks are going to disagree with here and there. Uh, and, and does not take away from from their level of influence and and you know positive things that they do. And, and that's, that's a, that's a hundred percent correct statement. You yeah. know, like I got to hand it off to, to Stephanie. I mean, she's our region three director and she's also our webmaster at the same time. It's all hundred percent again, once again. So she goes to work, deals with her kids and then, you know, does this shit all day long. Yeah. Why? Cause she loves archery. Yeah. That's why that's, that's the basic bottom reason. And is there arguments between board, you know, like there's arguments and, you know, board members and, you know, like frustrations and, but in the end game, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in the same thing for the same reason. And it's to, to see this state succeed in archery hunting and, and to do that kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. And for we sure. all love hunting and it's been a great time and, you know, you meet lots of friends along the way, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, that's how I kind of stumbled upon meeting Jim Huntsman, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've never actually met in person, man, but we've been friends nope. on, on uh, you know, social media for a while, and we've talked here and there, and, and it just kind of, you know, this is, and I've said this a million times on the show, but one of my favorite things, actually, it is the my most favorite thing about doing this podcast is uh, a combination of I learn a lot about hunting and I also make new friends every time I have a guest or I interact with people in the audience or, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I have this big network of friends and these are genuine friends because we're hunters, right? This isn't, this isn't some other thing. This, this is hunting. And, and when we're hunters, there, there's like this brother and sisterhood that happens. Uh, we, we have, we have the same passion and it's, it's unique. You know, if you, if you look at the, the percentage of the population in the United States that actually hunts, it's rather small, which is, which is alarming on one hand and the other, but the, on the other hand, when we meet another hunter, uh, we have, we have like this kindred spirit that, that, that I, like I take that into my day job, um, and, and what I, you know, what I do for a day job to make money. And, uh, because I, I think like, like a lot of people think that you, you know, being a director of ISB makes a bunch of money doing that kind of thing. Nope, you don't. Uh, I think a lot of people also think that, you know, me having this podcast, you know, I make a bunch of money. Nope, trust me, this thing costs me more money than I could shake a stick at. And uh, that's because I enjoy doing it, though. I really enjoy doing it. And I have sponsors 
that even with what they sponsor the show with, this show is still um, a, a kind of a, a, a cash um, – what do you call that? We're hemorrhaging cash, <laughs> to say the well, least. And I'm okay and with that, you know. But I make friends like you. It's it's it like I said. It comes back down to to where your heart lies. And if your heart lies in the outdoors, yeah. Who cares if you blow a hundred bucks? Yeah, I don't. Like I, in the I reality don't. of things. I'm at a point where I'm in I'm at a point where in in my life and my career and and you know my family and stuff I don't mind I don't mind spending money to do this. Um, at some point, if if it if it actually profits, it would go a long way towards uh, me convincing my wife that it's worth doing, right? <laughs> yeah, but but at this point, it, it, yeah, it, it doesn't because it, it does. This thing, dude, this thing soaks up so much time, and I love it though. I I love it. I'll be at work. I'll be in some big ass meeting at work, you know, and and we're all, you know, around this big table talking about, you know, strategic planning for the company and blah blah blah, all this stuff that we do that I've always tuned out anyway because I'm thinking about hunting, and uh, but I'll I'll be thinking about, oh man, my boss just said that that'd be a great idea to help the podcast, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and right. I think like, about that kind of stuff. Out of the stuff. blue, you're like, just, yeah, I think hell? about it all the time, and and I love it because I, I make friends with you, and I get to have, uh, you know, I, I have these great conversations with uh, with folks like you and and everybody else that I have on the show, and and we just always become connected and friends, and uh, that's what hunting is, man. Hunting is connecting with nature and connecting with people, and and being. Uh, you know, putting something like you being the uh, one of the volunteer directors of the Idaho State Bow Bow Hunting Association. Um, I always say that wrong, dude. Idaho State Bow Hunters. Um, you being a director and volunteering your time—that is putting something larger than yourself ahead of you. It's kind of like, you know, I always I always look at it like like I, I get asked a lot, especially in my day job, like like what do young folks need to do, and and I tell them. You need to put something bigger than you as a priority for a moment. Um, it, this this can be related and magnified on a level like you join the military, right? You put your country ahead of you for several years. Or let's say you're you're a super religious individual and you go on like a church mission or something. You put something bigger than you ahead of yourself. And that selfless act right there, that, that is the kind of stuff. Now – I am not saying that being, a, you know, a volunteer at a at a hunting association is bigger than any of that by any means. What I'm saying is a smaller version of that, and it's honorable. Uh, putting putting something like doing be, becoming a, a volunteer at the Idaho State Bowhunters that that is something that that's a big deal. You you're you're donating your time, your knowledge, your money, all these things that you could be doing otherwise, and and creating time for something that you're passionate about, like hunting. Um, for me, I, you just, you just have my respect. And so I, I appreciate that, but that leads me to a question for, for you, Alex, um, what do you think has changed the most with hunting, uh, in, in terms of like when you started, you're 12 years old and now you're, you're 31 and kind of rolling through your, your life as a hunter, uh, how is, how are, or how has things changed? Mm, I would have to honestly say, you know, uh, there's definitely been some major uh, movement of people 
for sure. By by movement, do you mean like people moving to Idaho? Yeah, I mean, like this this year alone, you know, Idaho's gained over eighty thousand people in one year. Mm-hmm. That's, that's and so a huge has thing. you know that is not specific to Idaho. You know that, that that's the same case no. for Montana, it's, Wyoming. Uh, I don't think is. Wyoming it's, grows as much as Idaho because people are afraid of the winters there. Uh, but you know, Colorado is, is growing like crazy, New Mexico, Arizona. So, but I agree, man, we've had a huge um, influx in population. You know, people, people have changed. Um, I would say herd numbers have changed. I mean, we've had some pretty drastic crap happen over the last few years. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, in this state alone right now, we're missing deer from 2016, 18, and 19 winters. We're yeah. missing three three age classes. I know. So man. if you, you know, so. Hey, with, uh, with I, you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. I cut you off. I would I would have to say if uh, you're the general public, uh, you might want to brace yourself because there's going to be some stuff probably happening. I mean. I I do in terms I do of have herd to, numbers you mean? Yep. Yeah. As far as you know, mule deer numbers, elk are awesome. Elk are they're the toughest thing alive, and yeah. that's why that's that's why it's my that's my favorite on the go type of thing. You know, if I'm going to go hunting, I'm going to go chase elk. You know, it's interesting I mean, hearing some sometimes like perspectives from you guys down in southern Idaho versus northern Idaho. Uh, how, uh, you know, like some of those, those numbers get affected, like our whitetail deer numbers and our mule deer numbers are like kind of steady, right? Mm-hmm. Whitetail are growing, elk are down and, and elk are down because, uh, you know, you could blame it on all and moose, moose, man, are way down. And, and, and I, I don't have any scientific evidence to back that up. It's all literally field experience and and the amount of moose i've seen um when you when you look at it over a track record of a decade uh the the moose are down i don't care what idfg says i don't care what some biologist says i don't care what anybody says there are less moose in north idaho than there were 10 years ago Um, you know why right we've we've got wolves and and i know they like to talk about how it's this tick problem and and Again, I I am not picking on Idaho fishing game because I you know I've said it on the on the show uh, many times. I, I I feel like Idaho fishing game has the best interest of the wildlife at heart, and they do what they what they can with the information that they have. Sometimes I question whether or not they have the right information, uh, and, and that's all it is. Like for me personally, I geek out on behavioral and wildlife numbers and and all this stu- this stuff. Uh, it's not my career, but I do geek out on it. And I, I can tell you just from a guy that spends a lot of time in the woods, our elk numbers in North Idaho and our moose numbers in North Idaho, they are down and wolf numbers are up. And I don't know how you want to interpret that, but I am telling you that I interpret that as we have a predation problem and, and you can blame it on mountain lions. You can blame it on ticks for me. Seeing it from my perspective as a guy that spends several weeks in the field a year hunting and and just being an outdoorsman in general, th- those numbers are down, and that, that's that's all I know. I don't know how to analyze that from there. 
the other the other thing though that you actually don't realize yes we have a wolf problem and and definitely certain select units there is a major wolf problem mm-hmm. and you know you talked about ticks that's actually a true thing mm-hmm. but the yeah, the number one that. the number one cause is poaching we do have a poaching number was that down there where they had that uh, that mountain goat was poached just recently but no. wasn't killed that's that's actually in between us. That was in uh, Region Two, I believe. Region which would Two? Be, no, which it's not be, Region Two. It'd be Hell's Canyon. So it'd either be three or two. Now three is mine. I so I I live in Region Three, and I'm an there hour and a half from Canada. So I, no, I think that Region that was Three central. is Boise. Region three is Boise. No, it's Region not. One, are, like, this, are you talking about? Are you talking about hunting units? Nope. Region three. Oh, regions. Region th- so there's, there's some kind of different breakdown you got going. So, yeah. I always so, look at it in units. So, like hunt, so I, you, I'm in hunting unit three. Yep. Okay. So unit three is one thing. Regions. So what I'm talking about when it comes to regions is how Idaho fishing game breaks down our state. I'm in region four. Region four would gotcha. be like like uh, mountain home to Burley to like Sun Valley, for example. Um, Hell's Canyon is probably region two, or and that's where that three. mountain goat was poached. Yep, with the whole crossbow bolt thing and everything. Yep, uh, yep, yep. And poaching is unfortunately. N- a really big portion of why we actually lose animals mm-hmm. because it never stops. It, it never, it never stops figure 5% of people actually get caught poaching. Yeah. So if you care about the wildlife and you see something crazy, turn their asses in. Like there's no shame in being a rat. Like if that's what you think is, you know, a bad thing, turn them in. I knew That's this our dude. wildlife. We're all paying for it. I had this dude that I knew uh, years ago, and he worked in this, like, uh, they, they did this weird, what do they call that? Gosh, I'm going to totally draw a blank on that. Anyway, like, okay, so you got a hospital that requires oxygen. They, they provided the oxygen tanks, right? You, you know, that's the kind of business he was in. And, and he, he was talking about, him and I were sitting around a campfire one time. And he's like, you know, I was at work the other day and, and this guy was telling me that he shot this five point bull elk. And the problem with what he was talking about is the unit that he shot this bull elk in with a rifle. It was a rifle hunt is uh spike only. And I asked, I asked him, did you have, you know, one of those special draw tags or whatever? And he said, no, 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 no. I had just a regular, you know, spike tag. Uh, but this, this five point bull elk was there and I took that bull elk. And so this guy that, that I know, and I don't want to say his name, but, uh, he basically said, okay, you showed me the picture of the bull elk you shot. It was a five point in a spike only unit. You've talked about it. You've been bragging about it around, around, uh, you know, the office here. I've got, I've got one or two options for you. Either you're going to call fish and game. And let them know what you did. And this is, by the way, this is not in Idaho. This is in Utah. 
he says, I, I've got one or two options for you. Either you're going to call Fish and Game and let them know what you did, or I'm going to call them. And you have 30 seconds to make that decision because I'm going to make that phone call in 30 seconds. So, so what's, what's, what's your decision? And, and I feel like at some point with hunting and, and hunters and, and our hunting community, all of us has to have a little bit of that mindset to an extent as to which I know there's old saying where snitches get stitches, right? Right. <laughs> I get that. But at the same time, what happens when the fishing game is trying to manage a particular unit in a particular state for for whatever goal that is managed that that unit is managed for what happens when people throw that off balance by poaching and that is poaching when you have a spike only tag and you shoot a five point bowl elk that is poaching and 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 I'm sorry I'm sorry for people that may disagree with that that's illegal and it's not the appropriate thing to do. And so th- this particular guy that I'm talking about, he ended up having to make that call because the guy didn't believe him. He didn't believe that he would call and 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 snitch him out for this. And in some cases, we just have to accept the fact that t- in order to protect the future of hunting, it, it, let me say that again, in order to protect the future of hunting, sometimes we have to be a snitch. And, and I know that that's hard for a lot of people. And a lot of people look at that like, oh, man, you know, but these are my peeps. Uh, oh, oh, man, you know, I don't want to get that guy in trouble. He's got this and he's got kids and he's got, you know, this and that. And financially, you know, it's going to be a disaster. But, you guys, if, if, if you are passionate about hunting and you want to see a future in hunting, we have to follow the rules. And that's that's what happened in that situation. And I wish more people actually kind of had that attitude. And I, I, I hate to say that because, you know, uh, for, for, for a guy like me who is, you know, I'm not a fan of rules in the government and things like that. <laughs> right. And and so but I also understand that that as a management process, as hunters and outdoorsmen and and fish and game and, and wildlife management, we do have to have a process and rules and, and these parameters put in place in order to protect our wildlife and the future of hunting, because if that stuff gets, uh, if, if it's shaken up by people that don't follow the rules, it's going to ruin it for everybody. It's going to ruin it for everybody. Like you, you've, you've been there. Everybody's mm-hmm. been there in a, in like a national forest where people, the forest service has warned and warned and warned that if you keep trashing this particular area, we're going to close it down. And what happens? They close it down, Right. That happens every time. I've got a particular area up in my neck of the woods where people go up and shoot and they leave targets and they leave uh, shell casings and they leave all this trash and garbage and the Forest Service keeps threatening they're going to shut it down. Well, they did. They shut it down because people can't clean up after themselves. Same thing with hunting. If you if you break the rules and you poach and you do things that are outside of the rules and the regulations and you don't follow what the fishing game and, and the game wardens are out there trying to, to trying to enforce, uh, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. I, I don't know how yep. else to put it. It's it's not any different than, uh, you know, people riding in a closed trail. They get a ticket and then they go, yeah. well, this is an open trail. Well, no, it wasn't. Yeah, you not. didn't follow the rules. Hello, McFly, here's your ticket. <laughs> Have it. Hey, dude, you're 31. I didn't know that you would even know that reference that Hello McFly. Come on. 
Oh, dude, I know all sorts of things. I grew up in a. <laughs> I, I I I honestly, like I said, I I grew up with a a way different background than most people ever dream of, and I can look back and say I'm thankful for it. Um, You're- like I I got. I got my dad's buddies, you know, like Dan Eagle and, and Michael Priest and Mr. Malone. You know, and then I got Tim Malone, you know, I got, I got those guys. And mm-hmm. then like, I have my best friend Hazen and then there's old Smitty over here in the corner, you know, being grumpy. Smitty. He is grumpy, dude. He could be grumpy. Have you seen him on Facebook? Oh yeah. Some days. Well, that's what happens when you used to be a UFC cage fighter. Right. I mean, used, I, that's what used, I told somebody was mouthing off to him and I wanted to chime in, chime in and be like, Hey dude, uh, bad idea is a UFC fighter. He's going to beat your ass like cornbread batter. <laughs> if you don't knock it off. <laughs> like I'm sure I'll probably, uh, after this podcast comes out, I'll probably be getting a phone call going, Alex, USOB. And I'll be like, well, I'm in uh, Twin Falls. Good luck finding me. Challenge him to a uh, to see a at the UFC winter meeting, fight. buddy. <laughs> at the Jamboree, oh, no. man, we're gonna have like a ring where people oh, no. can take on Scott Schmitty at the at the ISB Jamboree next year. That, is that like the is that like the new version of you know like the person on top of the little diving board and you have to hit the you know little dong thing uh-huh, on the side of the pool? Em. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. the the Duncan deal. If you can if you can connect with Schmitty with a so with a closed that, fist, then uh, you win. Is that is that what it is? <laughs> I okay. think so. We're gonna make the rule right now, man. If that's the case, then I'm gonna need about a ten foot long two by four because that's about as close as I want him getting to me. <laughs> <laughs> now he's getting old. He's getting slow. Listen, Schmitty. If you're yeah, listening but, to this, I'm coming down. Yeah, but there. if you if you listen to the old <laughs> saying, let sleeping dog lie, <laughs> there's a reason why. There's a reason for that saying. Dude, I wouldn't mess with him. I'm a Marine, and I wouldn't mess with him. I'm just saying. But no, I got I I have a lot of a lot of wonderful people in in the background and that yeah. are always you know you know cheering me on. Um, even mm-hmm. even my grandpa that he wasn't really actually like a True grandpa, he was my step grandpa. He was uh, John Bastida. He's the one at the Bass Center in uh, Boise. He was actually a politician. Oh, really? And so I have backgrounds in a lot of different areas, and it's I don't know. My eyes are wide open, honestly. So it's, with that, with that kind of background, Alex, like what what do you see? Uh, as the biggest challenge to hunting as, as we go forward, uh, what, what concerns you about the future? Um, there's, there's, I don't know. There's, there's lots of different things. I mean, we had the big non-resident issue this year and I, whoop, you cut out there, dude. Hello. Hello. Hey man. Sorry. You cut off there, but, uh, you were talking about the non-resident issue. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where you cut out. Yeah, I think that's actually your phone, by the way. That, it might be, dude. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I live in the freaking forest, man. So. Well, I live in a canyon, so. <laughs> it's one of us. At some point, it's we lost one, connection. It was definitely one of us. It was big tech censoring us. That's what I think. But maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of issues. Um, you know, the the good old boys of Idaho. 
I think they they're going to have to wake up and smell the roses that this change this state is changing. What so what do you let's talk about that cuz you you can be I know you're only 31, but I mean you're not a spring chicken, you're not you're not like a old salt dog either. Like Scott no. Smid. That guy's old and dirt. <laughs> But, he's going to be so pissed off by the time we're done. He's going to be just, fired up. I ain't going to ISP Jamboree anymore, man. I know. He's, well, he's going to whip my ass. To, I'll see you on target. I'll see you on target one because I'll probably have a black eye and you will too. So we can be teammates. Dude, if we tag team him, I think if we tag team him, we could take him. I love it. But I want to get, I, I want to get back to what you were talking about there for a minute. Um, with, so I, I was saying like, you know, you're not, you're not like a spring chicken, but you're not, you're not an old timer yet. Uh, and, and you're kind of on that in between point in which you, you're talking about some of the old, um, you know, salt dogs of Idaho. And, 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 and this applies guys. We, I know a lot of, a lot of times on this show, we get, we get talking about Idaho issues and, and whatnot, but this is going to apply to every state, every Western state specifically, where we have changes. You know, a lot of us are are, are suffering the same fight. We we have a huge influx in people moving from back east or from California or whatever. They're coming into our Western states, and the state populations are growing like crazy. And and we're seeing an influx in in hunters and hunter par- participation in these particular states, where in the rest of the country that that participation level is kind of going down or, or or maintaining. In in western states it's going up, and and in some states it's going up dramatically. And so when I, when we're talking particularly in Idaho, uh, keep in mind that if you're in Colorado, you're dealing with the same thing. If you're in Utah, you're dealing with the same thing. And so uh, that being said. Um, I want to talk about what you just mentioned about how they're going to have to, I don't know how you phrase that, you know, bite the bullet or, 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 or whatever. Draw a line in the sand. Draw a line in the sand. Uh, the, the, I, because I think that a lot of times some guys locally, whether you're in Arizona or Idaho or Montana or, you know, wherever, uh, we, we look at it like, oh, man, I've seen in this particular unit a huge influx of non-resident hunters, and I see their plates from all over the place, and it's really frustrating, and I get that in, in some of the units I hunt, I don't see any non-residents. Like, I don't see any non-residents. Um, and and other other units that I hunt, I see a ton of non-residents. It, it's just so dependent on the, on the unit that you're in, and... Um, what what do you mean by like like some of the locals are going to have to get on board with it? D- does that make well, sense? Does that make sense how we ask yeah, that? No, no, no. It, it does. It okay. actually a hundred it a hundred percent does. And and what that means is so pre twenty twenty, um, with the way everything was running in in the Idaho fishing game system, mm-hmm. you know if if there was twelve thousand eight hundred and fifteen Oak tags, which there is. Yep. Um, for general, for for, for general, for general tags, it doesn't change. Yeah. That, that that number does not change. And all twelve thousand eight hundred and fifteen of them tags, it, they all could have been floodgated to one zone in particular. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was the Pioneer Zone or the McCall Zone or the Big Desert Zone or or the Smoky Bennett zone. It didn't really honestly matter because those, those tags were all sold and it didn't matter where they went. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and so that that created this issue because, you know, yeah, some of us were seeing lots of non-residents and some of us were seeing like nothing like we were living in dreamland. Yeah. And and so what happened is the you know, the residents did they they threw a fit and and by all means throw a fit. You had every right to on that on that end of the stick. Well, because it is it is frustrating. So I don't want to discount yeah. the frustration. Yeah. It is frustrating sometimes when you're yeah. you're a dude that's living in small town Idaho or Colorado or whatever. You've been hunting the same area for 40 years, and now all of a sudden you you can't go up one single drainage without running into a bunch of freaking a shitload of out of state hunters. And you see their trucks at the trailhead, so I, I'm not discounting the frustration. Well, and and the frustration was there, and and out of all people that can honestly be somewhat neutral into the conversation, I feel like I honestly can. Uh-huh. My best friend is a non-resident, and I'm not going to damn him. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go. Oh well, <laughs> damn him. He's a prick. You know, I can't say that. He's my brother. Like that's that's how he is. He's my brother. He lives down in Salt Lake, huh? Yep. And I can't I can't say that. But even when my friend that is a non resident says, Oh dude, we have a problem. Well, obviously there was a problem and that's because units were getting floodgated. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to that issue, I know I'm gonna stir the pot here now for once. Um, that's what we do on this show, dude. Yeah. Well, it happens. I'm probably going to get some hate mail. You're good. You're good. I'm all right with it. Little, but, uh, a nasty email won't hurt you. I promise. No, I, I, yeah, I got pretty thick skin, so it's, it's good. But, uh, I, I never was a hundred percent in agreement with raising the, the price of non-resident tags. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I was actually in agreement with was dividing and conquering them. And what what I mean by that is actually forcing them to put a quota on on units, and that's exactly what happened. The part that sucks now that they've raised those prices, even as a youth kid, I love youth kids. I don't care if you're from Washington or if you're from Idaho or wherever. If you're a youth kid and you want to go hunt, it should be pretty reasonable in price yeah i agree with that man i i got I a can, buddy you know I, I i'm pretty sure i don't know if i'm getting this right but his name's gabe hinkle that was coming over from washington and he's pretty upset about the youth prices going up because of and, exactly what you're talking about and, and it's it's hard to see i mean another another one is is you know uh, the archery permits and, uh, and the muzzleloading permits and hound hunting permits, those prices went so through the roof that it's, it's beyond craziness. Mm-hmm. It's like a thousand and eight bucks. It's, that's not exact, exact math, but to hunt elk over the counter in Idaho, it's like a thousand eight dollars now. Yeah. That ain't including your gas or if you get a hotel, you know, who knows what people do. People are crazy. So you don't really know what they're going to do, but you know, just your licenses alone, there's a lot of other states now you can go to. Well, there's there's the other the side to that part. argument. You know, I for, for personally for me, um, I'm okay with the non-resident prices going up 
because we, as a state, Idaho, the state of Idaho was cheap, right? It, it, it was, and I've heard it referred to as it's the bargain basement. If you don't draw in Wyoming or Arizona or something, you just go to Idaho. And so I, I get that aspect of it. And so I, I was okay uh, with with prices going up, with the exception of like like my my pal Gabe that is talking about you, you know it, it's tough for him coming from Spokane, Washington over you know ten minutes and he's in Idaho basically, uh, you, you know for a youth hunt that price going up that does make it difficult for guys so I'm sympathetic to that cause, but at the same time yeah you, you know I spend a lot of money if I go elk hunting in Montana. Right, and I spend a, a more money if I go to Wyoming out of state, uh, which is uh, has actually taken me out of the game for this year for Wyoming. I'm going to hold off just because I well, it's less pricing, more I want to build more points. But a- anyway, you know, it, it's just people need to understand that if you are going out of state, I don't care what state you're going to. Like I'd love to hunt Oregon, but Jesus, man, the the, the prices over there are ludicrous. I can't afford to go to Oregon, but I I know because of my day job and where I travel through Oregon, there is some great freaking elk hunting. It's like it's like Oregon and Washington are both underrated states for western hunting. Uh they're they're great states, but man, the prices are out of control. And and so it's not like Idaho has taken, you know, a a huge step. The Idaho fishing game didn't do anything out of the norm in terms of western hunting. And, and non-residents, no. right? They, they're within the bounds. And and really, everybody knows, I don't care what state you're in, it's the non-resident prices that actually cover a huge portion of the revenue that is is coming from the hunting side of things. And so um, it, it doesn't mean that the director of Idaho Fish and Game just got a huge pay raise. I think that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of how people look at that. Like that's not. I just heard your dog, dude. Oh yeah, that's Dexter. You were all worried about it before we started, you know, recording that your dog was gonna bark. I'm cool. Yeah, he's being a he's being a dick now. My fat ass dog is just laying right here. He he doesn't make a peep, man. Unless there's a squirrel, he doesn't make him peep. He's too old. Anyway, um, I don't know. I I I may have gotten a little bit off topic there, but I I don't think that our price increases for regular non-residents. Youth hunting aside, uh, was was out of line. I think that Idaho needed that to kind of curb some of the non-residents that were coming in because it was cheap to come here. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and then I can I can honestly say that you know I I see that side of the story. Um, you know some some tags I I agree with and others I don't and. I don't know. It is ex- I, it, it is expensive no matter it is. what. It is it's super expensive and, and 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 one of my one of my goals with doing this show is I do not want hunting to be this rich man's sport. I I genuinely don't. And, you know what I mean? Um and, and I I often wonder Oh, sorry man. Did I, did I we we No, have no, a, you're good. A delay there. You're good. Yeah. But it's the the thing that what the residents asked, and this is where they have to, they're going to have to learn and, and change is by putting non-residents into a quota system mm-hmm. in order to prove to residents that 
they are putting non-residents into a 10 or 15 percent quota system eventually residents will be put into a quota system also and that's the hard part that's hope, the hard part I, of, I hope not but i i, I don't but i'm that's, I'm a that's the only way I numbers know. work yeah I that know. is honest that's the only way numbers work there, there's a lot to be said for that, and I think that one of the, the one of the reasons they reason on resident prices was to kind of gear up everybody for a quota system down the road. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know because I, you know, I love the Idaho system. I love the resident Idaho system. I can get a tag uh, anytime I want. I, I, I don't have to drop a fortune. It's, it's uh, when I, when I get a deer tag, I can go anywhere in the state to hunt. Um, I specify my zone for elk. I know what zones I want to hunt, and there's some there's some draw tags you can get for the state of Idaho that that I I put in for, and and you know other tags, and so I I get that side of it. I I I often wonder, you know, for my my people down there in Colorado listening to this, you know, like what do you guys think? Like you guys get just in it. You think Idaho is bad? Colorado gets pounded by non-residents. I mean, they they get pounded, man. I have I have friends down there that like I, I remember talking to them back in the 90s over the phone, and um, the 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 discussion of non-resident hunters in Colorado was never an issue back in the 90s. Now that's all they want to talk about. They're like, oh my god, I can't I can't even go anymore where I used to go. Yeah, you know, and and I know that there's nuances to to each area in, in terms of like there's ways in Colorado to get away from the crowds for sure. I know this because my, my friends do it, right? And mm-hmm. um, you, you know, we—I don't know that there is a state that stands out in my mind that is like the perfect system for both residents and non-residents. I don't know that that state exists. I know a lot of people say, "Well, Wyoming has the perfect system," and I—I I would disagree with that. Uh, Wyoming is a great state, and and they they have a lot of great opportunity. Uh, Montana actually does a pretty good job. Um, Idaho does a pretty good job. But I, I, I know that people listening to this are going to be like, "You don't know what you're talking about, Jim. You don't live here. You you don't well, you know blah blah blah." But so anyway. And and this, like I said, this this comes back to the whole. You're never going to please everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not it's 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 not a hundred percent you know thing like you're going to make everyone happy. It's a yeah. super controversial subject. It is and, super contentious and for sure. It is. It like it makes people angry. Like they want to just like punch your lights out some days. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say though, what I see and what I know, the residents better kind of brace themselves a little bit because there are going to be some drastic changes that happen. Yeah. A pick a pick your weapon season is in the talks. Yeah. It is it is in the talks. I know. A point system is not. A point system's not the way to roll. No. And no, absolutely no point system for the state of Idaho. Let me just put that on record with from my my perspective, you know, point systems are shit. And and I don't want to see a point system in the state of Idaho. And that's a that's a personal opinion, you know, neither do I. Yeah. And it is even, a personal opinion. Even and and even some of my greatest of friends will argue that. Well, and I think that one thing that I have a unique experience on is I've I've lived in multiple states and include to include states that have have point systems, 
And and I've said this on the on the show in the past that uh, you know f- folks that that are you know advocates for this point system, you guys, I've lived I've lived in point system states. I I promise you that is not where we want to go in Idaho. I promise you. Um, Alex, I've kept you a long time. We're 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 going a long time here. So I, I you know your insight is is invaluable. It's good. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this episode. And uh, dude, I appreciate you. Just I, I just appreciate you coming on. Well, I I appreciate it. And like I told you, anytime I can I can help somebody learn or or teach somebody something, I'm I'm down a hundred percent. So let's and, yeah, and that's that's a good point. You brought that up because I did want to ask you this before we wrap this up, because uh, we're getting down to it. But like, what is your number one piece of advice for somebody getting into? Let's stick to bow hunting uh, specifically. Like, do you have one piece of advice for new bow hunters getting into the sport uh, that that you'd offer uh, to those guys and gals? Now, are you referring to this as actually hunting, or are you hunting referring hunting? Hunting, man, this is a hunting um, show. So one would probably never be give up, never, never, ever give up. But also think about your actions. Mm-hmm. If that animal is a sniper, if it can smell you, hear you, see you, you're dead and yep. the game is over. You're done. Yep. You, you are done. Great point. It's a uh, piece of advice that I got put into my head by one of the best bow hunters in the state. Yeah. And that piece of advice will never, ever leave me. It never, it never yeah. will. That's, and it's, it's great stuff, man. Uh, I've never thought about it that way. Like, you, you know, you, you look at it into a, this adversary way where, you know, the wild game might get the upper hand on you and like they're the sniper they're the hunter they're the you know whatever uh their their hunt is different than ours they they are hunting to stay alive and so if they bust you man you're toast yep yeah man well i appreciate you coming on the show man um let's uh let's keep in touch and get you back on again in the future yeah i'm down well thanks again for coming on all right sounds good thanks jim i appreciate it you bet man made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain